chapter 12. So give attention to the reading of God's word. Dishonest scales are an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. When pride comes, then comes shame, but with the humble is wisdom. The integrity of the upright will guide them, but the perversity of the unfaithful will destroy them. Riches do not profit in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. The righteousness of the blameless will direct his way aright, but the wicked will fall by his own wickedness. The righteousness of the upright will deliver them, but the unfaithful will be caught by their lust. When a wicked man dies, his expectation will perish, and the hope of the unjust perishes. The righteous is delivered from trouble, and it comes to the wicked instead. The hypocrite with his mouth destroys his neighbor, but through knowledge the righteous will be delivered. When it goes well with the righteous, the city rejoices, and when the wicked perish, there is jubilation. By the blessing of the upright, the city is exalted, but it is overthrown by the mouth of the wicked. He who is devoid of wisdom despises his neighbor but a man of understanding holds his peace. A talebearer reveals secrets, but he who is of a faithful spirit conceals a matter. Where there is no counsel, the people fall, but in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. He who is surety for a stranger will suffer, but one who hates being surety is secure. A gracious woman retains honor, but ruthless men retain riches. The merciful man does good for his own soul, but he who is cruel troubles his own flesh. The wicked man does deceptive work, but he who sows righteousness will have a sure reward. As righteousness leads to life, so he who pursues evil pursues it to his own death. Those who are of a perverse heart are an abomination to Yahweh, but the blameless in their ways are his delight. Though they join forces, the wicked will not go unpunished but the posterity of the righteous will be delivered. As a ring of gold in a swine's snout, so is a lovely woman who lacks discretion. The desire of the righteous is only good, but the expectation of the wicked is wrath. There is one who scatters, yet increases more, and there is one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. The generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will also be watered himself. The people will curse him who withholds grain, but blessing will be on the head of him who sells it. He who earnestly seeks good finds favor, but trouble will come to him who seeks evil. He who trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish like foliage. He who troubles his own house will inherit the wind, and the fool will be servant to the wise of heart. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he who wins souls is wise. If the righteous will be recompensed on the earth, how much more the ungodly and the sinner? Whoever loves instruction loves knowledge, but he who hates correction is stupid. A good man obtains favor from the Lord, but a man of wicked intentions he will condemn. A man is not established by wickedness, but the root of the righteous cannot be moved. An excellent wife is the crown of her husband, but she who causes shame is like rottenness in his bones. The thoughts of the righteous are right, 
but the counsels of the wicked are deceitful. The words of the wicked are, lie and wait for blood, but the mouth of the upright will deliver them. The wicked are overthrown and are no more, but the house of the righteous will stand. A man will be commended according to his wisdom, but he who is of a perverse heart will be despised. Better is the one who is slighted but has a servant than he who honors himself but lacks bread. A righteous man regards the life of his animal, but the tender mercies of the wicked are cruel. He who tills his land will be satisfied with bread, but he who follows frivolity is devoid of understanding. The wicked covet the catch of evil men, but the root of righteousness yields fruit. The wicked is ensnared by the transgression of his lips, but the righteous will come through trouble. A man will be satisfied with good by the fruit of his mouth, and the recompense of a man's hands will be rendered to him. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. O oh God, our Father, we come before you this morning, grateful for your word, for we delight to do your will, O oh God. Yes, your law is within our hearts and it's on our lips. As we gather together this day, in order to get wisdom and to get understanding, may your good news not be simply hidden in our hearts, but may it be declared to one another. You admonish us to guard our tongues, but when it comes to your righteousness, Lord, do not allow our lips to be restrained. Show your mercies to us this day and every day, for we know that your loving kindness and your truth preserves us. Ground us in that truth, yes. Ground us in Jesus Christ, who is the truth. And when trials and heartaches surround us, we will always be comforted, knowing that you are our great deliverer. So guide us this day. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. For we come before you this day in his name. Amen. You can be seated. So as a reminder, we have 28 weeks for this school year, and there's 31 books of the Proverbs. So, so you can see we're going to be going through all of the Proverbs with the goal of actually hearing the word throughout the entire school year. But obviously, we're not going to go through it in depth, each one. So I reminded uh, you last week that we're, we're going to cover things, and hopefully you can meditate upon those as we go. So as you hear each of those Proverbs, various ones will apply at different times in your life. So go through those and spend more time even on them outside of the time that we have here. But today we're going to focus uh, on one particular one uh, in chapter 11. It says, A talebearer reveals secrets, but he who is of a faithful spirit conceals the matter. So a couple questions for you, and, and this can be audience participation on this. Uh, how many of you have ever been mad at a friend or a family member? Okay. How many of you have ever wounded a friend or family member? How many of you no longer have a friend? I didn't put family member on there. <laughs> so most likely in, in the answers to all these uh, questions that I asked there, uh, it probably had something to do with something you said uh, with these wounds here. And so today we're going to look at what is this that we can learn from a talebearer reveals secrets? But he who is of a faithful spirit conceals a matter. How do we guard our tongues in this way? Well, the, the concept of a talebearer 
this particular word is mentioned several times in Scripture. It's, it's not abundant, but there's a lot of similar concepts. But specifically for talebearing, we see it in Proverbs 18.8. It says, the words of a talebearer are like tasty trifles, and they go down to the inmost body. And then in Proverbs 20.19, we see, he who goes about as a talebearer reveals secrets. Therefore, do not associate with one who flatters his lips. So we're going to try to piece together a little bit about what is this talebearing. We can see from the Proverbs 20 verse here that a talebearer is going to be someone who reveals secrets. And I don't want to go too technical as we build this. So be thinking in your own minds, what, what is a talebearer? If I were to ask you, even without going through the scriptures, what is a talebearer? You probably already have a general impression of what a talebearer is. There's another common name that the first thing I would think of is, oh, it's, it's a tattletale, someone who tells tales. You know, that's where we get the concept of a tattletale. But going to the scriptures then will hopefully help us refine what is that, because that's not going to be, I would say, the biblical definition of what a talebearer is. So here we do see that a talebearer does reveal secrets, as it says. But then this other half of it, therefore do not associate with one who flatters with his lips. This isn't one of those proverbs that's a, you know, here's this one thing and here's this completely different concept down in the other corner. This is a therefore, so it's, it's helping to define what is a talebearer. It's going to be also one who flatters with his lips. Then in Proverbs 26, verses 20 to 22, we see, where there is no wood, the fire goes out, and where there is no talebearer, strife ceases. As charcoal is to burning coals and wood to fire, so is a contentious man to kindle strife. The words of a talebearer are like tasty trifles, and they go down to the inmost body. So an additional data point we can get from this one here is that what is it a precursor to? It's a precursor to strife. So when you have a talebearer, you, the thing that will logically follow is strife. It will be those things that I asked you about. When you start having those, those tense relationships with friends, with family members, oftentimes it is because there was some talebearing Pre, uh, preceding that. Then as we move outside of Proverbs, we see it even in Leviticus 19. You shall not go about as a talebearer among your people. So with, as we look at the, the wisdom books, so in Proverbs, Proverbs will not give us a hard and fast, oftentimes of, here's the law, you have to rigidly apply it this way. Proverbs is going to give you principles of things, and sometimes you'll see the opposite is true. It'll tell you to don't answer a fool, and then right after that it says answer a fool. So what do I do? Well, you have to use wisdom to figure this out. But here in Leviticus, this is a, a hard and fast command. This is part of the law of God. It's more than just wisdom. It says you shall not go about as a talebearer. So as I put together this, we know it's, it's a little more than tattletaling. Um, as we think through the information that gets passed, if I were to say, Jacob and Caroline are getting married this Friday, am I being a talebearer? I have I've relayed information about someone else. So I've now said to the world, this is what's going on this Friday. But there's something that makes this not necessarily talebearing. Though I am passing information, what's the motivation that I'm doing this in? And so we want to add a little bit of a motivation to it. So I would argue that talebearing is going to be the sin of passing on information which may actually be factual with a sense of pride and self-importance. Strife will ensue shortly thereafter. 
And there's going to be lots of ways. This is a working definition with things. So uh, this is just piecing little bits of it here together as we go through this. So ask yourself in your mind, are there times that it is good to tell something? Well, yes. If we can example right here. Is, is there a wedding coming up? Well, yes. We should tell about this. But in other areas, is there a good time that we may want to tell? And, and how do we know the difference between when do we repeat something and when do we not repeat something? So for example, if we saw Silas, is he here? He's not here, so we'll talk about him. So if we saw Silas up on the roof of his house and you were his sibling, would it be a good thing to go tell someone that Silas is running around on the roof of his house unsupervised? Yes, that would be a good thing. If you heard rumors uh, of half of Pastor Lovett's class in the morning had the copy of the final answer key for his final exam, and it was being floated around amongst the student body, would it be wise and good to let someone know about that? Yes. And so we, we need to learn how do we make these decisions of when is it right and when is it wrong? So when is it tail-bearing and when is it not? And I think the answer to that, to put a good firefighter example in there, is, is the goal of it to be a firefighter or is it to be an arsonist? What is the underlying motivation behind what you're doing and what you're bringing up? So with any of these things, any of these factual scenarios, there's going to be logically four different options. You'll have things that have already been revealed, that are revealed, and that should not be. So picture a little square. It's a logic square. I've got things that are revealed that shouldn't be. I've got things that are revealed that shouldn't be, that should be, shouldn't be, should be. I've got things that are concealed over here that shouldn't be, and I've got things that are concealed that should be. Those are our logical four different options with the information. And so how do we jump around in each of those? There's going to be scriptural examples of all four cases. You have to figure out now in wisdom when do I apply each of those cases? And I think the underlying principle is going to be that. What is the, the, the underlying goal of what we should have? And it should be to love our brother, to encourage peace, reconciliation, restoration. All of these things that scripture teaches us principally will then guide us of which of those cases we then go with. So when you start seeing examples of things like if there's talking going on in study hall, might one of the possible answers be, I'm going to overlook it? Does it have to be, nope, I'm going to tell on that one? No. Versus if I see Silas on the roof, might the right answer be, I'm going to not say anything? No. That There will be a right answer to this. And so we have to train our minds in order to determine this. So the underlying uh, commandment that we're going to focus on is going to be the ninth commandment with this. Ninth commandment. What's that ninth commandment? The ninth commandment, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. And you think, well, I read that. I'm not lying about anyone. It's the truth. So-and-so did such-and-such last Friday. I saw them do it. That's the truth. I am not bearing false witness. But the ninth commandment carries with it a whole lot more than simply that. The Westminster Larger Catechism, and I'm not going to go through it because the three questions that pertain to this are quite long. But I'm going to summarize some of the, the three questions that the, the larger catechism talks about in explaining the Ninth Commandment. First off, it requires several things. 
It requires the preserving and promoting the good name of our neighbor. It requires the charitable esteem of our neighbors. It requires loving, desiring, and rejoicing in a good name. It requires the covering of infirmities, otherwise known as weaknesses. We talked about covering last week, looking over those things, sweeping them under that that rug that doesn't bring them back up. It requires defending someone who's innocent. It requires an unwillingness to admit of an evil report. And it requires discouraging talebearers. Now, it prohibits some things as well. It prohibits holding our peace when it would be injurious to others, not saying something when you should because you watched that person get in trouble and, and you could have stopped it had you actually spoken up. It prohibits talebearing. It prohibits misconstruing intentions, words, and actions, taking that little tiny thing and blowing it way out of proportion. It prohibits aggravating smaller faults, prohibits unnecessary discovering of infirmities, going and digging around, looking for the the bad dirt on that friend, that family member, that other person. Prohibits raising false rumors, and it prohibits receiving and countenancing, that's permitting, tolerating, any evil reports. So that's a lot more than simply what we're thinking of at face value, when we see you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor, there are proactive things that you need to do in order to do this. So what are some common areas that we can look at where we may see ourselves in the, the tail-bearing side? Well, oftentimes when you, you come to some piece of knowledge that's out there, we want to ultimately solve the problem. And so a right response would be we go to the people, person or people, who may be able to assist in solving the problem. But oftentimes we refrain from doing that. And who do we go to instead? We go to all the other people who can't solve the problem and we repeat the matter to them. That would be tailbearing. We often go around seeking counsel from others. But again, the counsel we seek from others are not people that are actually trying to help the problem. And in fact, oftentimes the counsel we seek may be from half the church. That would be tailbearing. We go out and we deceive ourselves. So we say that we're simply commenting on something we saw. We're commenting on a factual thing that that came before us. But in reality, what are we deceiving ourselves of? That it's actually complaining and we're bringing things up. We're not looking out for the good name of our brothers and sisters. So avoid these areas in the the tailbearing realm. Avoid self-deception and saying, I'm not doing this. Well, the tailbearing side, we have to refrain from the tailbearing. But the other half of the proverb says, but he who is of a faithful spirit conceals a matter. So how do we be people that conceal that matter? How do we do that rightly? Ultimately, it's going to be wisdom that teaches us when do we do that? When do we reveal it? When do we conceal it? Proverbs 17.4 says, an evildoer gives heed to false lips, and a liar listens eagerly to a spiteful tongue. So what did the liar do there? He didn't actually lie and say anything. He listened eagerly to a spiteful tongue, and that person is considered a liar. So passively doing something can actually be lumping you in with liars. 
So it's not simply a matter of I need to refrain my lips and zip them and not go out and stop tailbearing. There are things that I can do that are sinful that are in the passive side. Simply by receiving that malicious report lumps you in with liars. So it's going to require an active side of you in order to be able to be a faithful man or woman who conceals a matter. So how do we conceal those matters? If someone brings something to you, the active way you can do this is, again, look for the solution. Look for resolving the problem. Look for a way that you can love that brother or sister. So if someone brings something to you and says, so-and-so did such-and-such to me, your response shouldn't be, oh, really? It should continue and say, oh, really? We should go talk to so-and-so about such-and-such. At that point, it will discourage them from bringing that to you unless they're truly seeking out the problem. People that want to resolve the problem are, are, are looking for that. They want to go and, and address the problem with the people that the problem involves. The tailbearer doesn't. The tailbearer just simply wants to pass the information along and doesn't want to be a part of the solution. So when you hear that, that expression, oh, my dad's so mean, he punished me in this way or, or that way, your response can be, oh, really? I'll make sure I have my dad give your dad a call and maybe they, the two of them can work that out. The tailbearer doesn't want that to happen. The tailbearer doesn't want the resolution. The tailbearer simply wants to complain about whoever that person is. So when you observe these things, wisdom is now going to dictate, do I respond in that way? Wisdom is going to dictate, do I overlook it? Whatever that thing that I saw was, that action is it such a minor thing that I just need to overlook that in love? Wisdom may dictate whether I need to go and either confront them or tell someone else, depending on the situation. So how do we figure these things out? And again, it's going to come down to a person with a, the, it says of a faithful spirit, when he conceals a matter, he's concealing the matter in order to limit the damage. He's concealing the matter to love that brother or sister. He wants what's best for them. So that will then decide, what action do I take? How am I going to limit the damage? How am I going to maximize the love to that person and, and, and bring them to restoration? And that will help you pick which avenue you need to go with your tongue. So if you keep that in, in the forefront of your mind, how do I love my brother? How do I love my sister? You'll have that wisdom aspect there. So as we do this, remember, ultimately... I'm giving you things of, and all throughout the wisdom, it's giving you things. You should do this. You should not do this. But the underlying reminder is, can you do this? No. You cannot do any of these things apart from Christ. You will fail at this. And so each time that you do, rejoice knowing that you have a Savior who has not failed in this. It doesn't mean give up. It doesn't mean, oh, I can go live however I want to live but rejoice because of what your Savior has done and seek to be like him in this. And remember, as, as these issues get resolved, hopefully, just like we talked about last week, hopefully there will be a covering of that sin. That sin will be forgiven. That sin will be remembered no more. And so remember that what Christ has covered, it's not your duty to go uncover it. It's been forgiven. It has been remembered no more. So you strive to remember that no more as well. Let's pray. Oh God, 
your word requires of us absolute perfection. But we are people who fall short day after day. Our tongues are to only speak words that are good and kind and uplifting. And yet we time after time tear down and destroy. Our ears are to never give credence to evil reports. And yet we maliciously enjoy those reports nonetheless. Oh Lord, give us wisdom and allow us to apply your word in every circumstance, in every conversation, in every action, and in every thought. Give us faithful hearts that know when to conceal a matter. We continually see from your word what we must do. We see what your law requires of us. And we see that we fall short and we fail. But thanks be to you, O God, for clothing us in your Son. Thanks be to you, O God, for your righteousness on our behalf. Thanks be to you, O God, for your great mercy unto us. And so go before us this day and lead us in the battles you've prepared for us from before the foundation of the world. For we follow you, our great Savior, and it is in his name that we pray. Amen.